My name is John, and I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here. I'm so ready to see what God's going to do today through his word, through his people, through our time together. This time that we, we come together and we set apart to say, God, speak. Let us hear from you. Let us put aside distraction. The, the time when we say, no, we're leaving the drama at the door because we all got drama. Don't act like you don't. I will call you out. I've been here long enough to know your stuff now. Yeah, you can Google my stuff. I got to know your stuff. Okay. We all got drama, but we leave it at the door right now to God break through and break in. Because he's doing something crazy right now. I don't know if you've noticed this, right? He is doing something amazing, and he's going to keep doing something amazing in our lives. Just over the last few weeks, we've been watching in this whole series, like walls falling down right in front of our eyes, and people going all in and being baptized and breaking through, and the chains of addiction and the chains of oppression are falling off. God, that's what he does. That's who he is. That's who we worship. Do you know that? Like, like sometimes I feel like we come in and we sit on our hands and we're like, like we worship a God who breaks the chains of oppression, who brings freedom to the captive, who restores sight to the blind. He brings healing. And that's what he's doing right here in our little corner of the world. I want you, if you know this in your gut, I want you to shout this out from one side of the room to the other, from your bedroom to the bathroom. He's not done. He's not done. Put it in the chat right now. He's not done. Send. He's not done. And since he's not done, I'm going to dig in. Ooh, this one lady sent me <laughs> an email. It was one of those good emails. She was like, you, don't you stop being you. Don't you stop being passionate. Don't you stop showing how much God has rescued you, redeemed you, loves you. Because when you show us that and he saved you, that means there's hope for us. Don't you stop being passionate. So I can't. I told my wife just the other day, I said, you know what, honey, I'm going to save you all the work. When I die, because you know that she's going to outlive me. Come on, I put too, many, too much wear and tear on these tires. She said, I said, when I die, I, just, I, I want to be able to live up to this word that he lived and he loved with passion. If I can live up to that, praise God. We are in a blessed series. Blessed with a question mark, because there's lots of questions of what it means to be blessed. So we're looking at what does it really mean to be blessed, not according to the Kardashians. Oh, look out. My guns are loaded today. I mean, the, the triggers on the finger, Lou. Okay. Woo. Not according to the Kardashians, but according to Jesus. What does it mean to be blessed? And, and so for, the, for, you know, for five weeks, we're in week five. You know, if you didn't get a chance to hear the first four messages, go back and watch them. You will be blessed. You will be blessed. I, I promise God. God will do more through you going back and watching those last four messages than he will through you sitting down and watching the last four episodes of The Bachelor. Y'all like, whoo, he's savage today. He's taking out the Bachelor, the Kardashians on three and a half minutes, right? Mm -mm. Nobody's safe today. 
Nobody's safe. We're in week five. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. We're in these, these verses, the, the, these, the, this ancient text that is known as the Beatitudes. And we're taking a look at Matthew 5, verse 7. And if you've been following along or if, you, if you know, you're a student of the word, you know that like, there's a shift that happens in verse 7. See, the first four Beatitudes, you know, they reference, they focus on a social or physical condition to help draw out an underlying spiritual condition. And then in verse 7, the messaging shifts and Jesus looks at the fundamental virtues of someone who has decided to make Jesus Lord and leader of their life. And these next four Beatitudes, those who are merciful, those who are pure in heart, the peacemakers, the persecuted, these are virtues that reflect the character of Christ. Jesus is saying to us, he's saying, if you follow me, these are the things that others should see in you. He's saying, when people see your character, do they also see my character? Today's B attitude that we're going to look at in Matthew 5, 7 is this. This is Jesus. He says, blessed. Let me tell you what blessed is. Blessed are the merciful. For they will be shown mercy. Mercy. What does it mean for you? To show mercy. What does it mean to be merciful? I had to consult Webster. I wanted to see what Webster had to say. All right. Webster, this is what Webster says. Webster says, compassion or forgiveness shown especially to an offender or to one subject to one's power. Mercy. Number two, compassionate treatment of those in distress. Number three, a blessing that is an act of divine favor or compassion. What does showing mercy look like to you? We've all been there. Come on. You caught a kid in trouble. You caught someone doing something they shouldn't. You did, you, you, at work, they dead to rights. What does showing mercy look like to you? A friend shared this with me. I thought it was spot on. He said, grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve. Mercy is when God doesn't give us what we do deserve. Mercy. There's a story in the gospel of Mark where this type of mercy is on full display, the the mercy of Christ. It's Mark 5, verse 1. It goes like this. The gospel writer says, So they, we should all ask, who's they? Jesus and his disciples. They arrived at the other side of the lake. What lake? Always want to ask questions. That's a great thing. What lake? The Sea of Galilee. They just traveled across it, probably from Capernaum, where Jesus did the bulk of his ministry. And, And they travel over, and they're in the region of the Gerasenes now. And Jesus climbs out of the boat, and he went to a man possessed by an evil spirit, 
came out of the tombs to meet him. And those of you that maybe you, not me, that watch American Horror Story, this is, think of it, like, this is the setting we have right now, all right? I know what y'all watching, all right? Like, so like, th- this is it, spooky, nighttime, crossing a lake at night in a cemetery, there's a hillside, Jesus goes to talk to a man possessed by an evil spirit. This is just your typical fish Friday night, okay? Just another fish Friday night with Jesus. Y'all miss them fish fries. Verse 3, she said, yeah. Verse 3, it says, this man, he lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained. Some of you are wrestling with things that you feel like can no longer be restrained, even with a chain, it says. It says whenever he was put into chains and shackles, so he often was that he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. And I wonder if there's anybody here that can relate to that, like right now, like this is your typical Friday night. That you're wrestling through something that that nothing has been able to stop it. And some of you are going through hell right now. And it may not be you, but it's a family member. And this is your Friday night. This is your reality. See, over the last year, I've been getting to know a lot of your battles. A lot of what you are facing as we've been meeting and talking and getting to know each other. And I've heard your stories and there are some battles and some strongholds that you've been trying to fight on your own. Trying to use what the world would use to fix a problem and none of it has worked, right? You've tried everything, right? No amount of medication, no amount of white knuckling it, no amount of self-help, no amount of Oprah, no amount of wishing on a star has worked because you're trying to use a man-made weapon in a supernatural war. It's like, well, why isn't this working? Why is this working? You brought a sport to a lightsaber duel, okay? Where are my Star Wars nerds at? Where's my Star Wars nerds at? The Apostle Paul, he says this. He speaks to bring, about bringing a sport to a lightsaber duel, Ephesians 6, 12. He says, listen, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. This is our reality. He says, you're fighting against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. Listen, there are situations in our lives where the only thing that is going to bring freedom and breakthrough is the power of Jesus Christ, period. That's it. End of story. Stop going to old dead places that only deliver dead responses and dead situations that only compound what was already a problem. There's a source that we can tap into that will break and subdue and change your life, Matthew. Or Mark continues, Mark 5, it says, day and night. And some of your struggles are day and night. You're wondering, when are you going to catch a break? When will you be able to breathe again? When will it be where I don't have to walk on eggshells around them. When, when, will, when will the life just come back into our home? When will 
day and night. This man wandered among the burial caves, dead places in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Some of you know all too well the darkness that leads you to self-harm. Oh, we, we don't want to talk about that. No, no, no. We came to reveal what has been trapped in darkness. See, when you expose something to the light, the darkness no longer holds its power over it. Oh, well, we're going to talk about real stuff today. We're, we're going to peel things back and expose it to the light. Some of you know the hell of self-harm. And if this, is, if this is you, you are welcome in this place. You are welcome in this place. In this place, we are filled with a bunch of people who are messed up. You are not alone in this place. Some of us are just a little more open about it. Some of us have said, I'm tired of carrying that weight of putting up a facade. I'm tired of that. This is who I am. Help me, Jesus. I am poor in spirit, Jesus. I'm desperate for you, Jesus. This is what I've been through. And look what he's brought me through. And some of you, you are the warriors out there. You are the champions out there. I've been telling people, we're building an army of love. I'm bringing warriors of light. Because we're going to fight against the enemies of darkness. And then we need, we do not need mamby-pamby. We don't need soft. We need strong that says, this is who I am in Christ. And I got scars to prove it. Yeah, I've been to some places. And I see you. And I'm so grateful for you, for how you carry that mantle. That you've been to some places that are dark. And if you're trapped in that darkness right now, you're not alone. You don't have to stay in that place of darkness. You don't. I know you think you deserve it, but you don't deserve the pain. You don't deserve the abuse. You don't deserve it. You aren't hideous. You are beautiful. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're loved. You're loved and you do have value and worth. I'm just inviting you today. One step. That's all I'm asking. One step. Those of you in darkness, take one step. All you got to do is just reach out. That's it. You can text. You can email. You don't have to go into a whole story. All you got to say is, I'm reaching out. We'll take it from there. You are not alone. Today is your day where you can break through to actually experience hope and healing. Verse 6 says, when Jesus was still some distance away... The man saw him, right, the possessed man, and he, he ran to meet him, and he bowed low before him, and with a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the God most high? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of that man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? Hey, we're breaking glass. Careful, ladies. There's glass on the floor. <laughs> Y'all unpack that later. And the man replied, my name is Legion. The man replied, because when you're in the face-to-face -face with Jesus, you have to respond to what he is showing, what he is saying. When he says to you, what's your name? 
What are you really dealing with? How are you really doing? You can't hide. That's why for some of us, we don't like it when you point out some of the stuff that's got going on, right? We don't like that. Jesus calls out our stuff. He says, what's your name? The man replies, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. The evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. And, and there happened to be, I love this, just so happened to be moments in the Bible. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirit begged. And y'all, some of y'all think the Bible's boring. This stuff is trippy. Said, send us into the pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. And so Jesus gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out of the man, and they entered the pigs, and the entire herd of pigs, 2,000 pigs, go plunged into the deep hillside, into the lake, and drowned in the water. And I know some of you are thinking, come on, John, two, two sermons in a row, and you're talking about pigs? Two weeks in a row about pigs? What's next? A Taco Bell reference? Some of you are like, what's he talking about? Again, check out the last four messages. Verse 14, the herdsmen fled the nearby town and surrounding countryside, those tending the herd of pigs. And they were spreading the news as they ran and people rushed out to see what had happened. And a crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons. And he was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid Darkness and unhealth. Can become so routine and so normal. That when it's taken away and you actually see somebody who is fully restored. And actually in a place of health. We reject it. Because we've gotten used to unhealth as our normal. No, we don't want that. That's not what we're comfortable with. We got comfortable with unhealth. Don't show me health. No, don't believe me? Look, look, what's it say? It, it, says, it says, then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus, not the man, pleading for Jesus to go away, leave them alone. Jesus is like, all right, bye. Jesus was getting in his boat. He is. He was like, okay. Jesus got in his boat. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him, but Jesus said, no. Go home to your family. Tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region, the Decapolis, and he began to proclaim to tell everybody the great news that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. And some of you were like, Pastor John, what in the world does a story about demon possession and 2,000 pigs have to do with being merciful? I'm so glad you asked, Lou. I'm so glad you asked. Thank you for asking that. You can't hear him, but he asked that question. I'm so glad you asked, and I hope you're ready for this, because this is like so powerful and beautiful the way he showed it to me. Listen, all throughout the Gospels, there are stories of Jesus healing people, right? 
If, if, you, if you know just a little bit about like the Bible or the Gospels, like you've heard stories like Jesus has healed people, you know, and, and, and like he forgives people of their sins and he rescues people, right? And, and so for those of you that kind of know some of those stories, listen, what's something that Jesus has a tendency of doing after he heals someone or he does something miraculous. What, what does he say to them? Uh, 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 he has a tendency of saying this. He says what? He says to them, he says, don't tell anyone. Right? Right? You think I'm crazy, right? Oh, that's why it's so good. That's why it's so good, right? All throughout the Gospels. He does. Go back and look. He, throughout it, he says, don't tell anyone. Keep this to yourself. A lot of times they don't listen, but his instructions are to keep this quiet. Theologians and commentators, they call this the messianic secret. And they've, had, they've got all these different you know, theories about why he does this. And what is so fascinating is that in the midst of all of these gospel stories that Jesus is saying, keep this quiet, there's this other story where he says, no, 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 don't keep this quiet. There's this one man that Jesus does something miraculous and he does just the opposite. He says, I want to commission you to go and preach this, right? And it's our friend, the demon-possessed man. Out of all the people that Jesus could have chosen to go and preach, to choose, he chooses this guy, not a Jew, not somebody who was raised up under the Torah, not somebody who knew a, a Gentile. How do you know he's a Gentile, John? Well, because of the region of the Gerasenes. It was a Gentile region. And if you were with us last week, you know, like, there's all those pigs. And good Jews do not hang out where there are lots of pigs, let alone pig farmers. So we've got to ask, why this guy? Why, why would Jesus... Of all the stories so far in his journey, in the beginnings of his ministry, you know, he's holding his disciples back. He's like, no, 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 no. Peter, stop it. Come on. No, 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 no. He says, this guy, I want you to go and tell this story. Lots of stories of Jesus doing miracles and healings, right? And a lot of times, it's where faith has healed the individual, Right? The bleeding woman, Jesus heals. Jesus says, your faith has saved you. Gospel of Luke, Jesus heals 10 lepers. He says, your faith has made you well. Luke 18, Jesus restores the sight to the blind. And he says, Re receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. But the healing of the demon-possessed man is unlike any of those other stories because it isn't his faith that heals him, but he is healed by God's mercy. His mercy. This man who's been demon-possessed as an outcast living among the dead with no one to speak for him or bring him to Jesus, no friends breaking a roof, dropping him down, He's not crying out, save me. I believe that you're the son of the living God. He's trapped inside of himself, isolated and abandoned. And this is the story that Jesus says, go and tell this story. Not the stories of the great faith of his followers, but the story of his mercy. 
A mercy that is so great that it crosses the sea at night through the middle of a storm to go to a place that no one else is going to go to, to go rescue a man that everybody else has abandoned and forgotten about. That is the heart of Jesus. That is the story he wants told, the heart that is moved to mercy for the outcast. And that is the calling of Jesus on your life, to go and do the same. It's not just about a, uh, God rescued me from my stuff and hallelujah, praise God. I, I went in the water. Oh, praise him. My, my eternity is set. We are on a journey to then turn and go liberate those who are still trapped in darkness, still trapped in the shackles and the pain of their past. We cannot turn our backs on the outcast or the ones who cast them out. Right? At the end of our story. The guy, the demon-possessed guy, he tries to get in the boat with Jesus, obviously, because he's got to be thinking, like, do not leave me alone with these people, Jesus. Do not leave me alone with these pigs, Jesus. Right? But Jesus is like, I'm so sorry, buddy. But you got to go back to your community. Go back home. Go back to the people around you. Go back to your community and go show them the same mercy that I have shown you. When the darkness has been cast out of us, we are called to turn and show that mercy to those who are still trapped in darkness. The face of mercy is the face of those who once were demonized. If you want to reflect the character of Jesus, we need to represent the story he actually once told. Mercy is for the wounded and for those who wound. Ooh, you hear that? You know it's good when they don't want to say nothing. It's uncomfortable. I'm not saying be a doormat. I'm not saying don't stand up for yourself. Show mercy. Show kindness, even to those who don't deserve it, and you will be blessed. Who are you being asked to show mercy to? Mercy is a really big deal. I mean, it's a really big deal. I hope you realize that. Like Jesus' brother James, he, like if, if you've read James, like it is like a, you think I'm bad. He's just like boom, boom, boom. He's just nonstop hitting you, hitting you. It's exhausting to read James. James 2.13, right? I, she, yeah, she read it. <laughs> James 2.13, God's word says this. He says, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But, praise God for but, but if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. So who is it that you have consciously or subconsciously not shown mercy to or left alone in their tomb? We've all got people that we do this to. 
We've all got people that we've marginalized. Let's, let's be honest with each other. Like, I ain't got time to like, let's be honest. Let's be real. Let's cut to it. We've all got people that we go, get out of here. I don't, right? We've placed over there because, you know, they're, they're to this or they're to that or, or we don't really like their music. We don't like their fashion choices or we disagree with their philosophy or their politics or we disagree with their sexuality or their life choices. Oh, I can't believe you said that. Oh, 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 oh. get yourself together. You know, when it comes down to it, we just don't really like them. When we're all really honest, we all have those people. And so when we come into contact with those people, you know, you know the, the community of faith, we're so good at this, we kind of give them the holy stiff arm, right? And we say things like, oh, our thoughts and prayers are with you. <laughs> but really, that's just... Christian code for like we're just going to leave you alone so that you can continue to suffer in your hurt and your isolation because they're a little too messy they're a little too different a little too difficult they're just too much when, when really in actuality it's not that they're too much it's, it's actually that we think it would actually cost us too much to invest. Go back to our text. Right? You, you thought I was going to forget about the pigs. You know, you know I can't do that. Right? Go, go back to our text in Mark. The pig farmers in the region, uh, you know, they wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Why? Messing with their money. Jesus was messing with their money, their infrastructure, how they got paid. They didn't care about the demon-possessed guy who was out howling and cutting himself. They're like, man, just get it over with, right? They left him alone. But don't mess with our pigs, Jesus. They cared about their pigs because that was their livelihood. That's what provided them their needs and brought them comfort. It put bacon on the table. Come on, you know I had to go there. It was too easy not to go there. I love bacon. I can't go there. I can't go there. Come on, come on, come on. These people would rather push Jesus away than give up what actually brought them comfort and security. I'm going to push away the Savior of the world because I want to stay comfortable. Now we're getting somewhere. Oh, you, you don't like it when, when Pastor David comes up and says something like and leans in and says, he does it with his little draw. He kind of says it with some honey, you know. He kind of just stabs it and he smiles. He's like, <laughs> he does, does a little like, you know, it's a Vaughnism, so, you know, it makes it sound real good. He's like, man, that felt so good when he stabbed me. Wow, that, that guy, I love that guy. Later, we're like, oh, why does that hurt so much? Because it's true. We don't like being pushed and poked and prodded and pushed out of our comfort zone. What's more valuable to you, really? Showing compassion? 
or clutching our coins and caring for our herd. We all got a herd, the thing that brings us comfort. Are we more worried about the herd or those who hurt? A lot of times we don't invest to help others because to do so would mean to give up the things and stuff that we cling to for comfort. And we love our comforts, right? Come on, right? We love our comforts. We got our comfort foods, yes. We got our comfort drinks, come on, extra whipped cream. We got our comfort people, we got our comfy clothes. Come here, Sarah, come here. I asked Sarah to help me with this. You're going to love this, I promise. You're going to love this. Uh, Everybody give a round of applause for Sarah for helping me today. (laughs) All right. So here's the deal. Y'all over there in the corner. All right. Listen, this is mine. And I tried putting it on while I was preaching and stuff this morning. I was trying and like my mic went flying. It, it was an absolute mess. I was like, but I got to get this up here. All right. So this is mine. This is a gift from, to me, a very lovely gift that I love with all my heart. Thank you. All right. This is a gift for me. All right. And this is called a comfy. All right. This is called a comfy. And, and, and student ministry says that this is like, this is it, right? This is it. This is all the rage. This is what all the cool kids are wearing. I'm like, y'all ain't cool. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> Like, right, but this is it, this is it, and, and, you, and you're comfy, right? Right, you're comfy, you're warm, you're cozy, you're comfy. Right, so, so as I'm writing, as I'm writing, I know Isabel, she, <laughs> as I'm writing this message this week, right, I'm like, Isabel, she walks by, I said, Isabel, where's my comfy, right? And she looks at me like, Why? It's like, because like, I'm going to use it, I'm going I'm to put it on, you know, in the middle while I'm talking and everything. And she goes, she gives me this like side eye with a side of judgment. And it was just like, you are going to look like a fool. And so God bless you because you look like a fool now. And I don't, <laughs> right? And so like, she's like totally like giving me this judgment and all this stuff. And, but then like, listen, my daughter, and I'm going I'm I'm to grab this so I, I, I get it exactly right, honey. All right. After judging me, my daughter drops, my nine-year-old daughter drops 90-year-old knowledge. She said, and I quote, said, Daddy, I think that if you stay in your comfort zone too long, you may not be able to experience new things. Actually, if you stay in your comfort zone, you won't be able to do the things you were meant to do. Give a round of applause for my daughter, for Sarah, for the comfy. I don't know if the things that bring us comfort are actually the things that Christ compels us to. Hello, that's Jesus calling. You better answer it. I think if we're focused on the things that keep us comfortable, we actually aren't going to like this guy named Jesus. Because he says, not me, 
He says, I want you to leave everything and follow me. I want you to leave your comforts and pick up your cross. I want you to step out of your comfort zone and step into sacrifice. But Jesus is a comfy. What about Jesus? He keeps me warm on a cold day. Yeah, he will. But he's not going to leave you there. He calls us to something greater. He calls us and commissions us to be on mission with him. Here's what I think. I, can't, I think that we cannot fully extend the cause of Christ, the mercy of Christ, the compassion of Christ if we are still focused on ourselves. So which is it? Comfort or mercy? Which will we cling to? Bacon or blessing? And some of y'all think bacon is a blessing. And I'm with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hear you. But blessed are those who are merciful. Our desire to be comfortable will limit our ability to be merciful. Sometimes it's our comfort that hold us back for, you know, from extending mercy. But other times it's our complacency. Listen, we, we, we've all got all sorts of different reasons, right? But we all get complacent, all of us. We, we, and that shows its ugly head in all different ways. Like we, we ignore, you know, we, we, we tune out, we check out, we neglect. Sometimes we get so complacent, right, that we just kind of like, you know, it's like we roll our eyes, we shrug our shoulders, and we're just like, so over you. I mean, we don't say that out loud. <laughs> right? You have any people like this in your life? You know, that you're just like, don't raise your hand. <laughs> <laughs> Sit right next to you. Shh. <laughs> I mean, let, let's be honest. You know, you're just like, wow. Why are you still talking? <laughs> See what I did there? And so we just get here because we get to that place of complacency where because we feel like to to engage, to get involved, man, it's just going to be too much work. Oh, it's just too much work. You know, it's, it's just too much. And so we just leave people to their own devices, right? Who is it that you have left to their own devices? Pray for me. I'm going to bring this really close to home for some of you. And God showed it to me this way, and he convicted me to my core. And for some of you, this is going to hurt. 
in about 45 seconds, some of you are going to start feeling a certain way towards me. And just remember, I didn't name you. I didn't say your name. It's the Holy Spirit convicting you. Just like he convicted me. Some of us have chosen to leave those closest to us alone in their tombs, left alone to their own devices, literally. Parents, some of you have left your kids alone to their devices because we're too busy, we're too comfortable, we're too caught up, we're too self-centered, too invested in our Netflix series that is too mature for our kids, and so we send them upstairs and we leave them alone, left to their own devices. And I don't know if you know this or not, but the mind of a child, the mind of a teen is not developed enough to truly understand the weight and responsibility that comes with their devices. And oh, the places they will go. And those places are not filled with Captain America and gumdrops and Nick Jr. They are places of suggestion and innuendo, places of unhealth and compromise, places of destruction and evil. And left to their own devices without filters, without restrictions, without guidance, they will eventually find disturbing confusion, darkness, and despair. And when they start acting a fool, right? <laughs> and you parents, you know our kids can act a fool. When they start acting a fool and they start acting like they're demon-possessed, when they start acting out and start making unhealthy and unwise choices, because you know they do, those parents in the room, you feel it. When they start acting out and making choices that don't make sense, that are unwise and unhealthy, instead of realizing that we're the ones that put the device in their hand, shut the door, and walked away, instead of getting off our devices, instead of setting boundaries with our bosses, instead of saying no to going out yet again with our friends instead of setting aside margin to intentionally invest into their world, getting on the floor and playing with them, meeting them in their world with their interest, with their friends, meeting them right where they are to show them that they have your undivided attention, showing them that they matter more than the, the binge watching of the latest season of trash that you're currently obsessed with. Instead of showing mercy and compassion to those that we've been called to develop and love the most, we cast them aside, we lash out, we blow up, we abandon them to their tombs, I mean rooms, we abandon them to themselves, we leave them alone to their own demons and devices. And we wonder why they've changed. What happened to my babies? We wonder why they don't want to hang out with us in our thing. 
We wonder, we wonder why the suicide rate has gone up for those ages 10 to 19. We, we wonder why, you know, the, 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 the addiction to, to heroin and opioid has gone up over the last several years. We wonder why this is all happening. It seemed perfectly fine to just leave them alone to their own devices. God, have mercy on us. God, have mercy on me. I am in this fight right now. I am in this fight right now, and I do not have all the answers. And I am pleading to God to give me wisdom to lead and love them so well right now. And I know you're there with me. For the sake of our babies. It's not just our babies, though. There's so many students right in our sphere of influence who are being trapped and overcome by darkness and evil. There are so many people right in your sphere, your friends, people in your row right now who are silently suffering. We have to wake up. We have to choose to change. Jesus is calling us out of complacency and into compassion. Out of comfort and into mercy. Jesus didn't just show mercy and compassion to those who were in the community of faith. Jesus went out of his way. He went out of his way to show mercy. To those that needed it most, to those that were marginalized, to the, to the least of these, he, he went out of his way to those that didn't deserve it. This is the cause of Christ. That is the call of Christ on our lives. To show mercy. To show compassion. Blessed are those who show mercy, for they will be shown mercy. Think back to our text. To the man who received a miracle, through the voice of the outcast, Jesus has spoken to all of us so clearly. His voice is mercy. And he is asking all of us to speak it too. Let's pray. Father, I cannot thank you enough for your mercy. Father, I just ask right now that that you will overwhelm our hearts with your presence, that we will let go, that we will let go, that we will let go, we'll just let go. That we'll stop trying to have all the answers, we'll stop trying to control everything, we'll just stop and just surrender. 
you to overwhelm my brothers and sisters with your mercy on their hearts. Father, we need you. We need you. And for those that, that don't even know that they need you, I'm saying it for them, Jesus. We need you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for this life you've given each of us. It's in your name that we all say amen.